0: As Michael reminded us, tomorrow is Memorial Day, and I know that uh, many of us in this room, uh, that carries a special meaning. Uh, Most of you are aware that uh, last month, Pat and I spent a couple of weeks in Italy, and part of the trip I was really excited about was when we took a trip from Rome down to Naples and on to Pompeii, and because I knew we were going to be going by Anzio Beach, and even though i wouldn't be able to see the beach that um, has a special place in my heart because my dad landed on angio beach with the fifth army and then they fought their way up through italy and into france and germany or belgium and germany but toward the end of my dad's life he told me several stories about the war and mentioned how difficult that time in italy was and that he had lost some friends and acquaintances uh, during that time because the fighting was so fierce well what i didn't realize was that uh, driving down that road while you couldn't see the beach there's an american cemetery on the highway there right beside the highway and we were on a bus and didn't get to stop but it was moving to go by and to see all those white crosses thousands of them lined up with an American flag flying over them. Um, I didn't know a single name of a man buried there, but I knew my dad did. And uh, that was touching to me and realizing the sacrifice that has been offered so that we can come and gather like this and be the people of God. In the sermon, I want to uh, tell a story of another World War II vet Uh, who um, came out of the war with an injury uh, that took a long time to heal. Let's be standing, please, as we read this portion of the gospel, Romans chapter 5. Paul writes, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we also rejoice even in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out His love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom He has given us. May God bless the reading of His Word. I know that often I begin with an old preacher story. I don't have one of those today, but I have an old joke, and it's really old. But it just came to my mind, and I want to warn you, first service, were kind, they were kind enough to snicker at least, okay? So I invite you to be gracious as well. Anyway, it's a story of a man who was leaving for work after a rather stormy night, a terrible windstorm had come through, and he noticed that his neighbor had several large limbs lying there in the yard, and his neighbor was out trying to clear them off, and all he had was a small handsaw, and he was sawing through those large limbs, and the guy thought, it's going to take him all day to do that with that little saw, so he got out of his car and went in his garage and got his chainsaw and took it over to the neighbor and said, here, this will make things a lot easier so he left it with him got in the car and went to work when he came back he was surprised that the neighbor hadn't made a lot of progress and he was still standing out there with his little handsaw sawing through those limbs and he thought well that's strange so he walked over to him and there was the chainsaw sitting on the ground and the guy said well is there you know something wrong with a saw and he said well i wasn't going to mention it but that didn't make it easier it made it a lot harder And the guy thought, well, I just had it serviced. I just had the blades sharpened, the change. I don't know why it would make it harder. He said, well, let me check it. And he picks it up and he yanks the cord and it fires right up and he's gunning it. And the guy jumps back and says, what's that noise? Thank you. I got a couple of giggles here. All right. Sometimes we take very simple things that are meant to make our life easier and make them much harder i just always visualize that poor neighbor out there trying to saw with a chainsaw that's not running this is true with the gospel as well the intent of the gospel is to set us free the intent of the gospel is to bring us hope the intent of the gospel is to bring us joy And yet, if we're truthful, so many times we carry the good news around with us almost as a burden, something that constricts our lives, something that weighs heavy on our hearts. This is true with a man that came to see me one time several years ago when we lived in Tyler. I've told you this story before, but it's been about 10 years ago. But I have to tell it every time uh, I really focus on this fifth chapter of Romans, because when I read the first part of the fifth chapter of Romans, that man's face comes back in my heart, in my mind. Also, I need to tell you again, because I promised him that I would. I promised him that I would tell his story as often as I could. It goes like this. I was sitting in my office working, doing something, I don't know, and all of a sudden the phone buzzed, and it's the secretary who said, "Uh, someone wants to see you. Well, I knew by the tone of her voice, she didn't know who it was, and I probably wouldn't know who it was, so I said, okay. So I got up and opened the door, and there stood a man that looked to be in his uh, maybe early 80s at the time, had white hair, and I could tell his eyes were red, that, that he was barely containing himself, and so I invited him to come in, and he came in and sat down, and he looked at me and struggling to keep his composure he said I need to tell you my story and I want to tell you my story so that you will tell others my story and I want you to especially tell the young people my story because I don't want their lives to turn out like my life has been and at that point he just lost it And he buried his head in his hands and started sobbing, sobbing as heavily and deeply as I've ever seen anyone cry. And I sat there, not knowing what to say, silently praying over him, praying for words to be able to comfort him. And finally, he was able to get himself together enough to begin telling me his story. He was a young man when World War II had broken out, and uh, he had been drafted into the army. At the time, he had been dating a young woman, and like many couples at that time whose courtship would have probably gone on for a while, everything kind of got compacted, and they went ahead and got married before he was shipped out over to Europe. And so he went off to Europe, leaving behind his sweet bride of only a few weeks, and was in Europe serving in some of the worst parts of the war for almost three years. Well, he said that things went along for a while, and he would often thought of his wife and, and how sweet she was, how dear she was, how innocent and pure she was. But he said, you know, it's hard to describe how things were over there, and I don't know what happened, but I was unfaithful to my wife. And he said, when it dawned on me what I had done, it just broke my heart. He said, All through the rest of the war, while the other guys were scared for their lives, I was just thinking about her and how how I violated her trust. And what was I going to say to her when I got back? Because I knew I would have to tell her I couldn't carry this. And he said, Finally, I got back and I told her, and she understood and she forgave me, but I still carry that. And he said, A week hardly goes by that I don't wake up in the middle of the night and realize who i am and what i did to this sweet woman lying here beside me he said i want you to tell my story to everyone to let them know how destructive and deadly sin is and especially tell the young people that sinful behavior and just a moment of indiscretion can change your whole life and then he began to sob again i don't think i've ever seen anyone more contrite about sin than that man i've seen others who have been disturbed about sin i know how i have responded to sin in my own life and i've seen others but no one that felt it as deeply as this man did and i realized that he really understood the gospel but he'd only understood the first part of the gospel For the gospel truly does begin with facing sin as it is and for what it does. For example, when John the Baptist and Jesus himself began preaching the gospel, what was the first word out of both of their mouths? Repent. Sin is serious. Disobeying God is a serious matter. It's a deadly matter. Even the Apostle Paul realized that this is the first part of the gospel, is to warn us and to tell us how deadly it is when we let ourselves slip into sinful things. He wrote the book of Romans, or the letter of Romans, to a church he had never been to before he didn't really know a lot of the people there although some people that he had known in the past had eventually ended up there but he was going to come to Rome and his letter was kind of an introduction of himself to the Roman church and so he spends the first half of the letter preaching the gospel Basically, saying, This is what I say that the gospel is. This is my message that I carry throughout the whole world. He tells them that in verse 16 of chapter 1, where he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who has faith. And he goes on to say, For it is the gospel in which the righteousness of God is revealed. And what Paul means by righteousness of God is that that this is how God has chosen to make us right with him again. This is the method by which we can come to him and once again be his children. So he tells them, this is what we're going to do. I'm going to preach the gospel to you in this letter. So that's verses 16 and 17. Listen to how he starts his presentation of the gospel. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and wickedness. That's the beginning of the gospel. In order to hear the gospel, we have to hear that first. He goes on to talk about how where sin came from. Sin came from people failing to acknowledge that God is God. They just brush God aside and go off and do what they want to do. If we turn over to verse 28 of chapter 1, he says that again. He says, for since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God just gave them up and let them do what they wanted to do. You know, God says, if you will not listen to me, if you will not believe that I have the way of life, if you want to do things the way you want to do them, I will let you do that. And so he says on to say, so therefore they were filled with every kind of wickedness and evil, covetousness, malice, envy, murder, strife, to see, on and on and on. He lists all these things that, that slip into our lives once we make that original decision that we are not going to let God be God. We're not going to listen to him. He ends up in chapter six by making a statement that all of us are well aware of where he says, and you know what the payoff of sin is? Do you know where sin leads you? The wages of sin is death. It'll kill you. It'll kill you, and often it's a long, agonizing death. Now, Paul knew this. Adam and Eve knew this. And the man sitting in my office knew that. And he wanted me to warn people that it's true however as i sat there listening and so impressed with his heart i realized that even though he was a baptized believer he had not really heard the second part of the gospel And so I went over to my desk and got my Bible, and I think it was the same Bible. I've bought two Bibles since this one, but I can't just let go of this one, so the, the two new ones are on my bookshelf, and here this one is. And I took the Bible, and the book of Romans came to my heart, and so I turned to chapter three of Romans, because you see, I didn't have to tell him about chapters one and two he was living chapters 1 and 2 because chapters 1 and 2 warn us about sin killing us. I said I want to read you some words some words of hope and I want to pray that your heart will be opened and you will hear these words because I know your ears have heard them before but now I want your heart to hear them. So I begin to paraphrase the words because in this passage Paul has some concerns about the Mosaic Law and the Old Covenant and he's talking about that which the Romans need to hear but not quite as relevant to us today. But the message in Romans 3.21 goes something like this. God has now revealed his way of making us right with himself again. And this way is based and rooted in the faithfulness of Jesus, and it's available to every one of us who will believe in Him. Because all of us have found ourselves in the same situation. Every one of us has sinned, and every one of us falls far short of the glory of God. But now, we can be made right with God again, by the gift of his grace that is found in the redeeming power in Jesus. Because God is faithful, and he presented Jesus by his own blood as a means of mercy, as a way into the mercy of God. God did this to prove that he indeed makes us right with himself. Because he forgives us of our sins. Sins that were committed in the past and sins that dwell in our present. God is righteous. And he makes righteous anyone who will trust in Jesus. The man was listening, I could tell, and I was praying that the Spirit was opening his heart to such a message so we begin to scan through chapter 4 of Romans and where Paul talks about what faith is. And he uses Abraham as an example. And he makes the point that God does not expect us to be perfect people. What he expects us is to do is to trust him, to believe him. And he will count our faith as righteousness. And that conversation led us to chapter 5. And as we looked at chapter 5, I could tell that maybe for the first time he was hearing these words completely. Therefore, since we've been made right, since we've been justified, since all of this has happened by faith, we have peace with God. It's over. God loves us. He accepts us. Take a deep breath. It's going to be okay. We have peace with God through whom, uh, through, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand. I have that underlined, starred. What he's saying is through Jesus, we live in grace. It's the air we breathe. It's our whole atmosphere. It's our whole world. It's not something that pops in and out of our life and occasionally comes in and relieves a problem. We walk about in the grace of God, and because of that, we live our lives in hope. And he goes on to say we even rejoice, and we even rejoice whenever we run into tough times because we know that those tough times are going to be worked out. They'll make us stronger, and we always end up in hope, and besides hope, we end up in love because God will pour his love into our hearts, and that Holy Spirit will continue dwelling within us. The end result of sin is death. The end result of the gospel is grace and peace and hope and love. We made our way into chapter 6 where Paul discusses baptism and how baptism reenacts what God has done for us He says, you know, when you're baptized, it's like you joined with Christ. On the cross, Christ died to sin once and for all. And in baptism, you join him in that death and you are buried. But he doesn't leave you there. You're resurrected to walk in a new life. And therefore, every baptized believer can live, as verse 11 says, dead to sin and alive to God. In fact, what verse 11 says is, consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God. God has done it, now live like it. Go out there and live your life knowing that what he said he would do, he did. And no longer the sins of the past or even the sins of the present as we breathe the sweet air of grace will ever pull us down again. Not because of who we are, but because we trust in Him and we've heard the word that He has spoken to us. The full gospel is that sin will kill us. And the first step in hearing the gospel is to realize that we've all sinned and fall far short of God's glory. But the rest of the gospel is that through his grace and mercy, he puts us back together and brings us back to him. One without the other is ineffectual. Both of those things together change our lives. I never saw that man again. He left with dry eyes And you know, I'm not the first person I'm sure to ever have talked about the gospel with him. And I doubt that I was the most effective in ever presenting the gospel to him. But God, in his mercy, chose that moment, as he did with Lydia back with Paul, to open his heart to hear it. And I don't know what's going on in your heart now. Perhaps you need to be convinced and convicted of of the sin in your life but perhaps you're already there and you know what it's doing to you maybe already you are feeling the results of the dying that sin brings if so i pray that your hearts are open to the rest of the gospel and that the grace and mercy the peace the hope and the love of god may fill your hearts and enable you to live the rest of your life as a child of God. If you're struggling right now, we're about to stand up. We're going to sing. Some of the leaders of this church will be standing around. You can see them. If you don't know what to do next, but you know you've got to do something, go to one of these. We'll be glad to pray with you, to lead you, to open the Scripture, to pray that God's Spirit may lead you home. Let's stand and sing.